Executive Director of CFRI, the Cystic Fibrosis Research Institute, and I welcome you to what promises to be a very engaging discussion about the challenges of life with cystic fibrosis in Pakistan. We have a phenomenal panel with us today whose members will, will share their first-hand experiences. Before we get started, as always, please note that the information and insights shared in this recording should not be used for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. And please consult with your physician before making any changes to your health management plan. We thank our sponsors whose support through educational grants has made this webinar possible. Vertex Pharmaceuticals, Kiazi USA, Gilead Sciences, Genentech, and Beatrice. We are so very fortunate to have with us today a panel to discuss the status of CF care in Pakistan and its impact upon the lives of those living with the disease. Our panelists currently hail from three continents and of course multiple time zones. Sajda Khalid hails from Pakistan but is currently living in New York. Dr. Ali Akbar is also originally from Pakistan, but now lives in England where he's a practicing, as we would say in the United States, pulmonologist, but in uh, the UK, consultant respiratory pediatrician. Sumaya Shahid lives in Pakistan where she has connected with the global CF community with her friend Rahima through social media sites. And in fact, that is how this panel came together uh, was through our connection through social media. So, Let's dive right in. Um, Sajda, Rahima, and Sumaya, I'd love to hear about when and how you were diagnosed with CF and uh, what were your family's reactions? And anybody can dive right in. Sajda, you wanna, you wanna take the lead? Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, basically, uh, in early days, I was in uh, uh, Bangladesh where the temperature is uh, not very severe. But then I moved to West Pakistan at that time. Uh, so the summers were uh, way intense. That's the time I fell ill because of the heat. And, uh, and after that, every summers I used to be hospitalized and the cough started and nobody, nobody could figure out the problem. They, you know, gave me all sorts of antibiotics. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, it was eeny, meeny, minamo, let's try this antibiotic. But uh, fortunately, my sister and uh, she was a medical student. So she and her friends, they used to ponder over me because they were the ones who used to rush me to hospital and take care of me. And uh, uh, so one of her colleagues, uh, he, he suggested that we, I, I may have cystic fibrosis. Now, this was an outrageous uh, suggestion. Other doctors did not agree. And since he was a student, nobody listened to him. But uh, after many years, you know, I, I was kept, uh, I kept taking antibiotics. Even when I took uh, tuberculosis uh, treatment, even though my monto would be negative. And then in the end, very end, uh, you know, then a doctor suggested, uh, I should proceed to Brompton uh, to, because he thought he, I may have cystic fibrosis. And at that time, there was no sweat test uh, properly done. So I was made to sit in front of a furnace, you know, where the things are sterilized. They, then they collected the sweat from my forehead. 
Then they found, yes, the salt was abnormally high. At that point, I went to uh, Brompton in England, London, and then it was properly diagnosed. And uh, yeah, my, it was very shocking because initially somebody thought that if I, uh, if uh, I, you know, uh, surgically, maybe it can be handled taking out those parts, but then it was not so. It was a lifelong thing. So I just started on the treatments then. And uh, at that time I used to take Ventolin tablet by mouth. It was only after a few years I got a nebulizer because at that time nobody knew what a nebulizer was. And uh, then there was nothing in Pakistan. So it was just my sister and a friend. And they were they are great doctors now. It, I feel it is because of them. I was uh, helped and also my family. Family support is the most important thing. My mother, she used to tap me for two hours at least, you know. She would be tired, should I stop now? She used to ask me, I said, no, please go on. So yeah, that's how, you know, between infections and sleepless nights for my mother as well. It was hard work. And uh, then later on, you know, when I got married, then I started traveling abroad. I uh, once came to Georgetown University in, in a hospital here in the US. Doctor, I met Dr. Kulchuski, who was a pediatrician. He gave me a bronchial lavage. It, it felt really good. You know, it felt like I have a new lungs again. But uh, then I went back to my country. I kept going to England, Australia. My sister had shifted there. So every summer I used to get myself checked and uh, get the recommendations by the doctors. And uh, my sister, she used to send me hepatonic saline from there because over here, they used to give me saline in a big a one liter bottle. You know, so I didn't use that because, you know, it could get contaminated. So I used to get my hepatonic saline from Australia. And uh, then now my, since my, I, I got married, I had two children, they came to US, you know, so I came after them. <laughs> now and I have tried CAFTA and it has changed my life because earlier I was dragging myself. I, I mean, everything was difficult. So it was a big struggle at that point. But now I have, since I have tried CAFTA, I am a lot, lot better. That is wonderful to hear, and you are very fortunate that you were able to, to access that. And um, I imagine, Sumai, you have a bit of a different story. Would you share with us how you were diagnosed and what, what your family's response was and what kind of support you have? Yeah, sure. Um, as I told before, I was diagnosed in UAE since I was born there. So first I was having the digestive issue which are related to CF. I started my carry-on treatment right there. But then after like at the age of 2.5, I shifted to move to Pakistan back. Then I was like a healthy child. So my family didn't more focused on the stuff that CF there was no awareness of CF in Pakistan. Nobody knew that it can be a drastic disease that can change and affect life so much later on. 
so there was no such treatments and here in pakistan but right at the age of 8 i was diagnosed with cf due to the same digestive and gerd issues uh, which was like severe one so i was diagnosed cf with the sweat chloritis which was only available in pakistan so at that time i started my like lungs treatments as well the nebulization and like the proper every treatment that the cf child must take so like it was like two times i got in my life cf and currently it's like so matlab at at the progressive stage there are no such treatments available and right now also i am dealing with the cf critical situation so that's the story and still like in the early age when we i was diagnosed with cf there were some like shocking and the condition according to the condition the family was already tensed also it's like a disease in my family my cousin also had cousin sister had like one of the cousin and we lost her at the age of 14 my elder sisters like i had twin sisters before me which were which were like they got expired at the age of 3 because of the same situation like pneumonia again and again pseudo and lung infection like they had like severe ones but their cystic fibrosis was not diagnosed as there was no knowledge of it at that time so that's how i was suspected and like when in pakistan we came back and i was having the worst conditions according to the doctors they know the family history and they suggested me to go for cystic fibrosis test again that's how i was re-diagnosed with cf i am so sorry to hear about your siblings and you know were yeah. what were your parents told you know any indication what would have caused the death of your siblings at, you know was it that a diagnosis of tb or was there any any diagnosis no it was like pneumonia only the people what people said like what people said at that time it was like pneumonia and the infections the lung infections no tb was diagnosed or no cf was suggested at that time Dr. Akbar, I'm very curious to know how you became interested in cystic fibrosis as an area of care. Good evening and good morning as as we are from different part of the world. Um I was born in Pakistan and that's where my roots and links are and I migrated to um UK after my elementary education basically and still had a couple of years to go to school in the UK and then I sort of did rest of my education in the UK qualified as a doctor in back in 1985 which is a long time ago now um and I was um, working and training as a pediatrician and through that process I opted to go for respiratory medicine pediatric respiratory medicine and as part of that um we have a, a regional center in Birmingham in the UK where we had uh, nearly 350 cf patients from our what we call the west midlands area 
Uh, and obviously, as part of the respiratory training, I was coming uh, along and seeing lots of those patients. And I met quite a few of our Asian patients coming there uh, at that time. And I said, oh, if there is Asian population here who have CF, there must be patients back in our own countries, in the Indian subcontinent, India, Pakistan, and the rest of the world. And they must be having this. So I started Googling a little bit and I did see a few publications, even from Pakistan, about cystic fibrosis. Uh, but that was just a couple of publications. Um, and so I thought, yes, doctors, some doctors are possibly aware of it. And um, so perhaps we need to do a little bit more on raising the awareness of the condition in Pakistan. And I was fortunate enough to be invited to the Pakistan Pediatric Association's biannual international conferences. And I took that opportunity when I, were, I went to Pakistan to talk about um, not only other respiratory conditions, but also cystic fibrosis, that people just sort of labeled me as, oh, he's going to talk about cystic fibrosis again. Um, and it was, uh, it, it was nice that I did do that because there's lots of people from all over the country who would come to those conferences and they took back my blue slide message about cystic fibrosis. Um, and that's how we started um, getting involved in people and families with cystic fibrosis to the extent that I took my CF team with a physiotherapist and dietitian uh, and myself, another consultant pulmonologist, as you may call him, um, to Lahore Children's Hospital um, back in 2015 um, to have a symposium on cystic fibrosis, which was one of the first ever um, two-day symposium on this condition, which nobody had heard about in Pakistan. Um, and it was quite good attendance. And we um, had a few patients coming to that as well, because I had started um, CF WhatsApp group uh, for Pakistani families. And so some of those families traveled and it was very educational sort of program in that. And we did some clinical um, uh, sessions there as well for those patients who had traveled for about seven, 800 miles, for example, from part of the country, just to come and listen and see us. And um, I've still got linked with that. I still run that uh, group. So that is how I basically got very much involved in that group. And nowadays, whenever there is a CF diagnosis somewhere, somebody somewhere does know that we have a patient group um, who can support them uh, and they are added to the group. And we carry on uh, talking to those people, providing the facilities as much as possible with diagnosis, guiding them to the right place, uh, to the extent that we are now able to dig into some of the resources where we can do genetic testing. It's not readily available, but it is uh, still available in some part, and they may have to travel a long distance to come and have that. Uh, and I'm quite pleased that some of the families have taken up the prenatal diagnosis after their genetic testing as well, and managed to uh, go through their pregnancy to either terminate or decide to live with or have, have a healthy children. So at least the facility has now become available. And I think through that raised awareness, et cetera, we are now in a better position that more people are aware of it. Uh, and uh, people do have access to some of the facilities now, but we may come and talk about what we lack in Pakistan and discuss it further. But certainly the awareness is now there. And every time I visit, I do make a point of holding some clinics um, bespoke clinics in different parts of the country, wherever it's possible, 
uh, to see some of the families who are in my WhatsApp group. And it's a pleasure to see them face to face as well and have that sort of good link with them as well. So that, that is where my link um, with the CF and CF in Pakistan came about uh, and is thriving pretty well. And I'm hoping that it will carry on uh, to develop services within Pakistan. So the local pediatricians or local um, respiratory consultants or pulmonologists may take on this task uh, and deliver the services locally rather than somebody sitting in the UK and telling them what to do. And have you heard any stories? I imagine for some physicians hearing you discuss cystic fibrosis, it might have given them that aha moment, like about patients who had symptoms that they were not clear about. Did you help people identify cases that they previously had not known among their patients? So I think um, the issue was about the awareness, um, not only within the ordinary population, but all the medical profession. And what I have been able to do so far is actually raise the awareness within the medical profession, because that is where my contact is at the conferences that I actually attend in Pakistan. Uh, and then through my um, patient uh, WhatsApp group, and now we have a YouTube where we actually uploaded lots of videos, uh, informative uh, educational videos about cystic fibrosis for anybody to go and visit and see. Uh, and I think that is where I come that, you know, it is the awareness of those conditions come in. And when I do talk to some of the people there, they say, yes, we do see patients, but the situation that we have in the UK or United States with multidisciplinary teams, with physiotherapists, dietitians, psychologists, social services, people involved in all that sport, that is lacking in, in Pakistan. And to the extent, you know, somebody did remark, one of the medical colleagues did remark that he said for a few patients, I am not able to set up that service because the health system there is not geared towards it. It's mostly private service. Uh, and therefore, CF, as you know, is a time consuming. You have to give the patients the time. You have to give the families the time. You have to listen to them. It's not just a five minute job. Uh, and that is something um, that they find it difficult and quite rightly because you know, time is crucial for them as well. And they have long waiting time. The clinics are overbooked. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I go and see, you know, there's two or three patients being dealt with at the same time simultaneously. Uh, so I think we, we will get there. But in the first instant, raising that awareness uh, is being successful. The parents and families now are spreading that word to their families. Um, because uh, six years ago, when I was talking to the CF families in my group, their own immediate uh, family members didn't know what their children got. They were hiding that. They thought it wasn't something that could actually declare openly because of the cultural things within Pakistan that the children will grow up, they may marry within the family to cousins, et cetera. And they didn't want to declare that because their children may not be able to marry the other cousins, et cetera, within the family. So they were keeping it a secret, but not now. I think they are very open about it. And they say, look, we got some of the conditions and we want to tell people what we got so that we can do something about it. And with the prenatal testing, et cetera, and all that, um, which is becoming now available because of the genetic testing that some people are having, that made it life easy. Uh, and I'm able to convey that message to them, like thalassemia in Pakistan is quite common, and government recommends that before marriages, people actually have thalassemia screening done. So if they are both carriers, 
then they decide for themselves whether they should go ahead and have that marriage or not. Um, so that option is becoming available to them. Uh, and therefore, I think people are more open about the condition, which I'm glad that we're getting somewhere. And I mean, I'm thinking of you, Sajda, sitting in front of a hot furnace <laughs> to do uh, you know, a sweat chloride test. Um, you know, Dr. Akbar addressing the shortage of resources in Pakistan. So I would love to hear from Sajda and Sumaya your experiences. And in particular, start, I'll start with you, Sajda, about your experience of what your life was like with CF in Pakistan as opposed to once you uh, moved to the U.S. Yeah. So uh, over here, it was just that, I mean, I was doing my physiotherapies twice or thrice a day. And whenever I got the infection, I was given antibiotics by my pulmonologist. So over there, when I go to my doctor in US, I mean, it's a proper clinic. You know, uh, it's one doctor after the other that checks you. Somebody comes in for a physiotherapy and social worker is there. It's a proper team over there. But over here, we have to go and look for the doctor ourselves by the reputations or who is checking us, us better. And uh, I used to go to my pulmonologist. He prescribed the medicines, mostly uh, IV antibiotics. Then I was afraid to go into the hospitals over here because of the infection. I mean, people I felt were not very careful. So I used to take antibiotics, IVs at home. My, again, my uh, sister's uh, friends, they would, you know, uh, they, were, they were proper, I mean, they were, doc they were doctors, so they would come and uh, help me with it. They, they kept an eye on me, uh, used to visit me at home, and uh, a nurse would come and uh, do the IVs on me. And uh, then my family, they used to take turns doing my physiotherapy. So. In fact, you know, especially my friends, they loved doing the therapy on me because they were tapping away. So, <laughs> so it was a joke for them. Okay, come on, <laughs> let's beat her up. <laughs> so it was fine. I mean, I got beaten, beaten up and got my sputum out and they had their fun. So, yeah. And with but, the IV, uh, oh, I'm sorry, with the IV, yeah. And are you able to have you know, in Pakistan cultures in which you know, the specific pathogens are identified? Um, is there that level uh, of Yeah, yeah. And uh, when you have, I think when you have infection, then pseudomonas and the staph, they were the most two common ones I used to get. And uh, then the, uh, whichever anti broad spectrum antibiotic was there, especially like lately, uh, I remember taking uh, Tobramycin, meropnum, these medicines I used to take. But uh, that's about it. There was no palmazine. And uh, now I take palmazine. At that point, I didn't take uh, Creon, but you know, just before coming uh, from US uh, a week and a half ago, uh, I was diagnosed that I am also uh, pancreatic insufficient and I was diagnosed, uh, doctor told me to take Creon. But you know, over here in Pakistan, Creon is, I mean, it's in a very limited supply. I dare not go and ask somebody, please, I need Creon. You know, it's just when I go back, I'll get the supply from there. Wow, that, that is hard because enzymes are so critical for, for so many reasons mm -hmm. and the connection to nutrition and lung health. 
Um, Sumaya, do you want to share your experiences? Do you have enzymes, nebulizer, anything for respiratory therapy? I would like to add one thing to the culture thing. Like uh, uh, right now, when recently I had my culture done and have IVs resistant. Most of them are resistant. So there are no, like the, they do the test for the medicines that are available in Pakistan, of course. So there are no other such things. Like they don't go for alternative to search for something else that can work because obviously that's not available in Pakistan. So it's going to take a longer time period and all. So that's a lag, I guess. I think so. And I'm like, I can say I'm going through it right now. So that's something else. And the other thing that she told about the pancreatic exam, yes, we lack in them. Is there, as Dr. Ali mentioned about the group, WhatsApp group, there we have people who can arrange the carry-on supply for us and we can ask for them, from them to like, we need them, one bottle, two bottle, and then, then they'll give us with the amount paid. So that's how, like, we, most of them, if I say, we the group helps us to arrange the medicines. Most of, mostly the carry-on enzymes. Because, uh, and uh, like there are two types of crayons. One is from the Istanbul and the other ones are from Germany. So like I, sorry for this, but right now I'm so like disturbed from psychologically. So that's how, that's the only confusion here. So like I was saying that the crayons that are available in Pakistan are from the Istanbul one. And to me, that didn't suit well because from the start, I've been taking the kirions that are from UAE, which are from Germany. So that's like that's also the issue I'm facing right now. It's so difficult to access. And Doctor, yeah, how what would you most wish for your fellow medical colleagues? You know, what you wish they had access to as they practice in Pakistan. I think, um, as you heard a couple of people, um, having issues getting to the right medical help is one of the important things as well, um, that um, they have access to the proper health service, the one who knows what to do. Um, because very frequently what I see being, you know, sort of leading the WhatsApp group is that they may go to a pediatrician or so, and they even a three-week-old baby may start on lots of nebulizers, lots of medication, some unnecessary without the actual individualized approach. Um, so I, I think somebody needs to be properly trained uh, in the future for CF uh, things, which is what something lacking on the medical side of things, that we need properly qualified, trained medical personnel who know what to do rather than do the Google treatment. Um, and other thing is like Sumaya mentioned, um, cultures is a big issue. Um, we have different uh, techniques to take samples from babies, et cetera, which are not available in Pakistan. And when people are taking sputum cultures in Pakistan, they only think about TB. Um, and they, to the extent I've heard a good you know, sputum sample taken at lunchtime or two o'clock in the afternoon, lab will reject because it wasn't the early morning. 
uh, fasting sputum sample, which really doesn't make any difference once you got sputum sample, but they work on other things or sputum. So what TB, for example, we say just get the early morning sputum or early morning gastric washings, for example, uh, or gastric aspirates. Um, and I think that's what they used to. So they're not used to the CF cultures. Uh, and similarly, the antibiotic sensitivities they set up, they may not be appropriate for the CF population. They may be for the ordinary public, but not necessarily for the CF patients. Um, and also it may be that they are driven by the pharmaceutical agencies who are selling the antibiotics to say, these are the antibiotic discs that you can use for sensitivities. And therefore it only shows certain antibiotics and not necessarily the whole spectrum of antibiotics that may be useful. And also, there's a huge uh, widespread prevalence, or I call it abuse of antibiotics in Pakistan, because they are so easily accessible, prescribable for many uh, qualified or unqualified doctors sometimes, which the government is getting hard at it at the present time. But because of that, there's a huge resistance. So I've seen even three-week babies diagnosed cystic fibrosis, pseudomonas, multi-resistant. And it is not there. It, I think they acquired that from the hospital setting. That's what Sajida was trying to point to, that she didn't trust the hospital environment and the hygiene or uh, cleanliness because there are infections there. And, you know, I seen two or three babies on same, in the same cot, for example, looked after uh, because of the lack of resources, lack of beds. And therefore, and I think that's where the infection control measures don't actually work in Pakistan and therefore use of antibiotics, uh, high potency and um, very broad spectrum antibiotics and development of resistance is there. And once you've got multi-resistant things like Samir is saying, then we've got no other options, no other antibiotics to be able to recommend. And that is one of my big headaches on the WhatsApp group, for example, when they send me a report and it's all resistant to everything. And I say, I'm sorry, I, I, there isn't anything else I can suggest. And because I'm not physically there looking after them, monitoring them, I'm hesitant to recommend this in a higher dose and this, that, and monitor because I don't want them to suffer as a consequences of the side effects of those things as well. So I think it is a big problem with antibiotics cultures. With regard to the Creon, as Tamir mentioned, um, they, we, within the group, we've identified a couple of people who may be able to access from um, basically Turkey, Istanbul, and sometimes from other places as well, and then uh, provide them to the group members, uh, which has helped quite a lot of people because majority of the people, as you know, with cystic fibrosis do have pancreatic insufficiency. And Sajida may have been one of those uh, who wasn't and then developed insufficiency, which some children do, or some patients with cystic fibrosis do, they usually uh, are pancreatic sufficient at the beginning, and then over the time scale, they may become insufficient. Uh, and that's, I think, what's happened to Sajda as well. Um, so creons are now available, but sometimes we do run into problems. There are legal issues with that as well, because the government doesn't want to import certain things, uh, especially medicine from abroad. Sometimes people talk about creon derivative from pancreas of the pig, and therefore religiously people may object to it, although health really religion actually says if it's there for you to be to save your life, you're okay with it. But some people may still take that and say, oh, I wish we had alternatives. Pulmas are the same. 
um, you know, when we had it in the beginning. And we don't have that available. We don't have dobramarsine. We don't have colomarsine available uh, nebulized wise. So it's sometimes IV preparations, people then resort to gentamarsine, which is cheaper, more economical to use. Uh, amikacin, which is readily available because of the TB that's used in TB. So people use that as well. So I think it's um, um, less favorable medication that they may, or it's compromises that people are making there. And obviously that compromise then does affect their uh, longevity, their uh, prognosis and outcome uh, as compared to what we have in the West uh, where we could optimize things. And things we're talking about um, the Trakafta and Paftrio as we call it in the UK. Um, that treatment is not available in Pakistan, not affordable in Pakistan. Um, so it, the, those are the difficulties, definite difficulties. The hypertonic saline pharmacies are preparing themselves. Uh, and we don't know how sterile, how good uh, they are. Uh, and the ones you import or you get, you know, there are difficulties. I think I took once for one of the families and I got stopped by immigration because when they're scanned, they look like bullets. Um, this, they wanted me to open up that to see, you know, I, I wasn't carrying any guns and bullets, for example. Um, so I, I think sending across or taking across, there are restrictions, legal uh, restrictions on those as well, uh, which makes it difficult. Um, but I hope with the raised awareness with local teams taking the awareness responsibility for those patients, and then they, they can ask the government and the authorities to see if for certain people or certain group of people they can make these available. Uh, and if they started making available or even manufacturing uh, locally, like it happens in our neighboring country in India, then the price will come down as well, uh, rather than having to import from other places. So difficult, isn't it? When it affects a small number of people and so you don't see the, the profit margin in terms of the company to, to develop for a small group within the country. but. Um, it ends up, really it seems, you know, a group of uh, the disparities within the CF community in Pakistan who has access to you know, relatives who might be able to, to bring medications and those who have no access. Um, I am curious for people with advanced lung disease, you know, in the United States, the UK, um, transplant becomes, you know, the option for people who have very advanced lung disease. Uh, in Pakistan, are transplants ever done for people with CF? So to my awareness, the transplants uh, are done. Um, I know one of my colleagues here in Birmingham, he's a liver transplant surgeon, and he'll go and do liver transplants there, for example, he'll fly for a weekend, do the transplant and come back. But we do not have that for pediatrics at the moment. Pediatric lung transplant is not an option at the moment, although I hear that they may be starting or thinking about starting that. Um, adults, they may be doing it. They are very good. Uh, there are good surgeons at resecting out the lungs, but not necessarily putting them back in again. Uh, and for various reasons, I think. Uh, and I think um, CF, for example, um, one of the things is that we get pseudomonas grown. But sometimes it may not be pseudomonas. Um, it may be Bufferdaria species or other species of it, which are multi-resistant, but because they're not doing those tests and microbiological testing, we don't know. And you know, some of those used to be contraindication to transplant or something like that. But I think it's a lot of work to be done. Currently, there is no pediatric lung transplant service in Pakistan. Um, we had a one CF family who actually uh, moved to the UK for that service and she got lung transplant done there as well. And we have another of Pakistani origin living in Canada who had lung transplant, but they were living in Canada. Uh, but, so we have a couple of patients within our group who have had lung transplant. 
um, but uh, obviously abroad uh, rather than within Pakistan. So CF is quite often you know, referred to as an isolating disease, obviously because of cross-infection risks, also the, the smaller numbers. So um, Samaya, I'd love to hear from you how you have connected with the CF community within Pakistan, but also globally uh, through social media. I did connected with CF community in Pakistan first through the group that uh, Dr. Lee has already mentioned. So like we, uh, the girls were there. So like she's first CF sisters connected. So I came to know them and then the, how the, their condition is. So at first it was kind of hope that there are others like me too. Because uh, before that I haven't seen any CF sisters or brothers anywhere around me other than my family members the cousin i told about so it was like kind of hope that there are other people like me and it was a motivating to fight with them like i am not the only one fighting with cf and when i came to the social media platform like instagram i came to know about rahima before that rahima wasn't in touch with me so like I came to know about Rahima and then the CF from abroad, like seeing their life was like totally different from us. And it was motivating me to like bring the awareness towards the people of Pakistan that there are also people living with CF and how they are spending their life fighting for the basic treatments that are like basic needs for them, which can be really available to the which are available to the people living abroad and then I came to know about the advanced treatments and all like how the people manage CF abroad and like uh, the and also the uh, studies that are going on about the CF CF organization and CFRI other group of CF related foundations and all non-funded organizations. So it was kind of hopeful seeing people taking the medicines to spend their life. And it was kind of like a company or group of people like you. And also motivating, like uh, commenting on the people with CF, sharing their stories, which you can totally relate with them. So it's like, only they can understand how you are suffering with CF. Sasha, do you want to add in? Or you did you connect with your fellow cystic fibrosis community? Yeah, yeah. Over here in Pakistan, I was pretty lonely. There was just one girl who had CF, and she passed away during her school years. And uh, after that, you know, I had a bit of a setback. Uh, I had to go see a psychologist for some time. So the psychologist, she in a very straightforward manner, she said, look, don't worry about death because anybody can die even crossing a road. I mean, this was such a simple and cruel sentence to me, but somehow it set me right. After that, I was fine. If I'm in the sense that yeah, I stopped thinking about the morbidity of it. And uh, I was not or never on social media. And so I was very lonely. 
and uh, whenever you know there were people there was some gathering or anything i had to opt out of it uh, you know i was not well so gradually you know i got isolated also young people would stop inviting me to the parties and all getting and then i was never able to move about too much get out of the house in for fear of infection sometimes and sometimes i would be coughing so much that uh, it got embarrassing as well in my school days especially i remember whenever my teacher used to ask me a question as soon as i opened my mouth i used to cough so they thought i was just you know faking it they i didn't want to answer them and so i would just you know start coughing so yeah so that was during my school days and but you know when i uh, moved to us i joined uh, beam feel good uh, the exercise group that's the time you know i met people because earlier whenever i used to go to uh, other clinics uh, while staying in pakistan i never got to see any uh, see a patient nor uh, i was connected to anybody but after i joined this group especially during covid times i i mean it was such a big support for me i was so grateful for, for that group you know then they gave me company i mean we had the same stories it was amazing because over here people simply did not understand my problem this they used to say oh you look fine you're just faking it i mean you know, this was a, always being told you're faking it was little um, i mean it was getting it just gets to you sometimes but now and also uh, because of this group i started uh, going on instagram and uh, sumaya and uh, rahima they were the first two people i saw and i was surprised oh god there is cystic people in pakistan i didn't know and then you know I, they introduced me to dr ali as well then i joined their group as well so now i'm connected to pakistani cfers and in america uh, other places as well i would like to add here i got to meet sajda from instagram i forgot to mention that before and do you have um thoughts about what can be done to better integrate or connect the global cf community this is a question for all three of you um shall i be the first one to answer that then i think um medical um profession itself um we need to be talking to everybody around the globe share our experiences share our difficulties share any advancements and improvements in the treatment and medication so as a medical people i think we do do that through for example international conferences etc and share the ideas with each other uh and therefore that does convey some of the message to the other uh, members uh, living in different parts of the world what is available around there just like uh, social media and uh, these cf patients from pakistan and families from pakistan learned what is available uh, social media has played a great part in it to know what is and that's what i'm just talking about the google treatment type people are aware of it um whether they use it appropriately or not that then we need the properly qualified people to guide them through that as well uh, but i think people are becoming more more aware of it 
And like I mentioned earlier on, people were afraid of mentioning that their child's got problem within um, the family. Um, similarly, those infection control measures, et cetera, we have a lot of family who live in ex extended family format, et cetera. Um, and they, people just like Sajda mentioned, you know, they say you're faking, you know, your child looks fine. Why do you have to do the physio twice a day? Why do you have to give nebulizers or keep giving nebulizers? They look okay. Um, they don't uh, buy the concept of preventative medicine, for example, to stop these things happening in the future. They just think they have to be treated only when they're sick rather than prevent, uh, become, prevent them becoming sick. So I think um, those sort of things uh, globally, um, we do need to link in with people. We do need to know what is available in the rest of the world. We do need to have access to those and facilitate access to those as so far as possible through whatever means uh, for the sake of these uh, patients who don't otherwise have a, a chance. Um, uh, and I think it's um, just like many other things, the rich and the poor gap uh, and the availability of resources from um, the developed countries, underdeveloped countries, um, that is present. And I think from the medical point of view, from the patient's point of view, I want that gap to be less and less uh, as we move forward. Thank you. Sajna, do you want to jump in? Uh, yeah, I feel uh, it's just that need to uh, raise awareness among patients as well, so that, you know, the medical community wakes up to it, that yes, there are people who are asking for help. And also like, uh, I feel um, like, you know, I mean, experts from the other places, they should be uh, training people here, maybe on Zoom or like physiotherapists, talking to people over here if they have time. I mean, somebody, some volunteers to, you know, guide or something like that, maybe uh, guide the patients, uh, especially I feel more about the physiotherapy and obviously medicine, medicines as these things are not available either, which is a big thing. But um, yeah, from physical um, therapy point of view, better need better physiotherapists as well. Thank you. And you want to give your thoughts on how to raise awareness and also make sure people know how to find you on Instagram. <laughs> uh, I would second Sajda and Dr. Ali that we need to raise awareness among the people and somewhat we need to motivate them to go for it. Because that's the main thing. Awareness can be done so much, but unless they don't want to go for it, they won't. That's what I am seeing right now. And Dr. Ali was agreed to that because he had been working since years for this, creating the CEF clinics in Pakistan. And that's where we lack. And the thing about finding me on Instagram, <laughs> right now I have deactivated my account because of some few issues. So I, hopefully I will be Reactivating it again, maybe sometime. And we look forward to that. <laughs> and we will help spread the word once that happens. And I really do feel this is <clears throat> the first of future podcasts to come. <clears throat> Excuse me, to raise awareness. We have come to the end of our time. Very sadly, this time just flew by for me. Um, but I thank you for this incredibly enlightening and inspiring conversation. 
I thank you, Dr. Ali Akbar, to Sajda, to Samaya, for speaking so eloquently and so personally about your experiences. Um, so I thank you so much for sharing your time and your insights. And as I say, I think this is the first of more to come. So thank you all. May, may, may I thank you uh, as well, um, Siri, and also Stacy uh, and the CF Research Institute for taking your time out to listen to us, to listen to the CF families from Pakistan and helping us to raise the awareness of the problems and issues that we have in Pakistan with the hope that we can overcome these difficulties for the future and make the lives of the CF families much better in the future. So thank you very much indeed. Yes, thank you very much. We're grateful for you to, to you know, yeah. reaching out to us. I thank think, you so uh, much for taking you the first step. You did a great job. Thank you so much for taking the first step towards the change. Hopefully, we are looking forward to it. And thank you for saying first steps. There are more to follow. So thank you all. <laughs> <laughs>